Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Michelle Dudley and Celeste Bundy are the co-founders of Fashion and Compassion, a nonprofit that connects caring consumers with vulnerable women artisans to bring dignity through economic opportunity. Michelle co-founded Fashion and Compassion with Celeste Bundy in 2012 after working with indigenous artisans for many years. They and their volunteers are driven in their work by several core values based in scripture. Love, dignity, hope, service, community, integrity, generosity, and action. Michelle Dudley and Celeste Bundy, welcome to A Measure of Truth. We'll go ahead and start with Celeste. So tell us a little bit about Fashion and Compassion. What's it all about, and why did you guys decide to start this? Sure. Well, um, Michelle and I have had the privilege of meeting each other on a mission trip in 2009. And um, Michelle had actually uh, met some artisans in Uganda in 2008 who were just making simple um single strand paper bee magazines. Um, they, these ladies had been busting rock in a quarry for about 50 cents a day. And um, through the paper feed um, project, they were actually able to feed and educate their children. And we just saw where there are a lot of women around the world who have um, these creative capabilities. And um, we just hadn't accessed their um, 
their full skill capabilities, and uh, so we've just connected them with them through our collaborative partners. And uh, so now we're fortunately and blessed to be in five countries around the world, and we also have a partnership here. Um, we're local in Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. Okay. And um, so when, when you met each other, you, you guys sort of looked around and you saw something that said to you that, you know, this is fantastic. Um, people in the States would appreciate this. How did you mm-hmm. go about developing the relationship and earning the trust of these folks that you are helping as well? Well, um, one of our key aspects is having collaborative partners on the ground. So um, we have the privilege of providing the economic opportunity aspect of employment to our artisans, and our collaborative partners on the ground actually help with the um, physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of of our artisans. Um, you know, that can look like from just needing prayer in regards to some family situations or um, we had um, you know, just a variety of needs that um, pop up from our artisans uh, around the world and here locally. Um, so it's just been really a big pleasure to partner with um, indigenous leaders in the areas that we're in because, you know, we don't need to go into another country telling them how Americans have it all figured out because that's <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, right. We can learn from each other. And um, so that has just been um, a, a very big blessing to be able to partner with um, with our collaborative partners on the ground. And, um, you know, it's just been a partnership. We've really um, kind of grown together and uh, been able to um and just connect with these women uh, just through a different um, different types of relationships, and we've become friends, which is just the, the neatest thing. You know, they send us notes of encouragement, asking about our families, and we do the same with them. So it's just they're our sisters now. They're not really our artisans. They're our sisters in the Lord. So. And, Michelle, I think we've got you on now. So tell us a little bit about, you know, when you were first – um, under the assumption that, you know, there's something that you could do to help. Tell us what came to mind. What did you see? You know, the first thing that, that I saw, one of the things that I saw when I traveled was, you know, there's just immense in the world. I mean, there's immense hurt everywhere. And the first place that I had the privilege of traveling to, and honestly, I it was kind of an opportunity with my church, a kind of quintessential mission trip, and I didn't really, um, I wasn't even sure if I should go or if I should just send the money ahead, uh, whether it was worth it for me to go. But I felt like through our indigenous partner, um, Alarm, African Leadership and Reconciliation Ministries, basically what he communicated to us was our presence meant a lot because people in Rwanda in particular have felt it in some of these um, places where there has been just really horrendous injustice, have really felt uh, forgotten by the West. Uh, and so, um, so I decided that God was calling me to go. And when I went, I did go with the attitude that I didn't know if I would ever go back. So I did a lot of research and a lot of reading on Rwanda in particular. And as I got there, I saw, I, I just learned more and more about what had happened during 1994, during the genocide, when a million people, people were you know, killed in 100 days. And I saw that, well, I couldn't do, there, you know, and I, well, I thought back to my own life and what I was doing in 1994, and I had no idea about the atrocities that were going on. I was just living my kind of easy life, relatively easy life here in the U.S. And I decided, you know, I can't do everything, but I can do something to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And initially, I got involved with the School for Girls in Rwanda because I, you know, really learned through Alarm, um, that organization that we partner with in Rwanda and Uganda, that that there was really a lack of um, there was really a lack of indigenous leadership, and one of the best things that we could do would be empower the indigenous people to be um, particularly women, because a lot of times these families are very poor. So the first um, children in the family that get sent to school are the boys, so the girls kind of get left behind. So this school in particular was educating um, orphans of the genocide, and it was kind of through that partnership that we started to learn about the wider uh, work that Alarm does, and we initially got connected with some basket weavers in Rwanda as well as paper bead artisans um, in Uganda. And since then, we've learned so much more because we learned – 
a lot of times we think that we can serve people out of poverty, and I recently heard this quote that we can't serve people out of poverty. People, in order to get out of poverty, um, they need a job. And so being able to provide the job, um, a job for people, is one way to help them raise their families themselves out of poverty. And it brings a lot of dignity because poverty kind of strips people's dignity away. Right. So I don't right. know if that helps. Um, understand kind of where where we were coming where we were coming from, and of course our partners on the ground, like Celeste said, are our spiritual. They're really the ones who are. Of course, we believe you need Jesus. You don't just need a job. Yeah, um, you really. need Jesus. And so um, our partners on the ground are the ones that are there day in and day out, really pouring. You know, doing Bible studies with them, and they're meeting their needs. And so that's why we donate all of our profits back into our partners so that wow. our mission is really threefold. One, of empowering the women by providing work. Two, educating our customers here in our own community um, and, you know, kind of across the U.S. about the issues that women in particular are facing. And then the third thing being that we raise funds through our product sales to donate back to our partners that are really doing the hard work on the ground and providing the resources for the women. Yeah, and, and let's and talk otherwise. a little bit also about, because both um, Celeste and you yourself, Michelle, have um, some particular skill sets that you've been able to sort of use in this situation. And, and um, that's something that people may have expertise here, but they don't see how it could relate to, say, for instance, a third world country. Let's talk a little bit about that. So let's tell us about how you were able to use your, your skills and abilities to be able to, to give back and to help organize and to contribute. Sure. Well, I um, come from a retail background. Um, I worked in advertising and marketing and early front-end operations for a large furniture retailer for five and a half years. And, you know, I never thought that God could use that experience for his glory. But um, five years later, I'm sitting here and able to use a lot of the things that I've learned during my time um, with that retailer just to help us implement some processes and procedures with fashion and compassion um, so that we can um, implement, you know, quality control standards with our artisans because we don't want to um, just accept the goods that they receive without holding them to some standard of measurement because, you know, we um, we are called to a higher standard. And so it's been really neat to watch our artisans, you know, make a piece of jewelry or create a bag and bring it to us and realize that there may be a little bit of fault in that and want to go back and make it right. There's just, um, just, just a higher level of, I think, impact and trust that we've been able to build with them. And, um, and that's only going to further our relationships and, um, and deepen them when we can just come to each other and be, you know, kind of vulnerable with our, with our work or um, uh, with maybe a product that they've, they've brought to us to consider. But we've also been able to implement and um, provide them with the ability to be creative, which um, a lot of times it's just um, it, it's kind of uh, put out. You know, when, when you're in elementary school, it's, you know, you have to do the math, reading, and uh, arithmetic and um, so this creative aspect of life kind of just gets smushed, and um, we're able to just kind of develop that with our artisans. And so, you know, it's it's just been really neat to see how every job that I've had in the past has, um, if it, the skills that I've gained are being used uh, really uh, to benefit our, our artisans and, and fashion compassion as an organization. And, um, it's just really encouraging to see that you know you don't. A lot of people think that you have to, um, you know, pack up and move to Africa to help Africans, but you can really do a lot right where you are. You know, you can make a difference in the way that you shop, or uh, being educated about the differences that you can make here locally um, and globally, and um, really from either your computer screen or your iPad or in your home and with your children. So that's been that's been really impactful for me. Great, great. And Michelle, too, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you were able to use those skills as well. Yeah, I'm actually a, a former CPA. <laughs> I've, I've not been able, since I've gotten to Fashion and Compassion and have four children, I haven't been able to quite keep up with my CPE credits. But I worked um, hmm. at the large accounting firm KPMG Pete Marwick and then for Bank of America for um, several years. And, uh, and then my husband started his own business, um, back in 
supporting him as uh, um, I started supporting him using my accounting skills and things like that and, and watched him uh, build this business. And then in 2008 when I went on that first trip to Rwanda, I mean, my life was just completely transformed. And so I really wanted to start to use um, – my kids were just starting to get a little bit older. I was starting – they were starting to get into school, and so I was starting to have a little bit more time, and I really wanted to be able to um, – to make a difference, to use the time and the skills that I had to make a difference. And honestly, um, a lot of times I feel like God puts me in a position where, I, where I'm doing something that's so much bigger than, than I could possibly do on my own. And I feel like he's done that with Fashion and Compassion and also with the Justice Conference that um, Celeste and I have been involved with, that it's just a lot of times there are a lot of things that I don't know, and that's exactly where God wants me because if I'm in a situation where I think I know what I'm doing, that's a little bit dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, then I start to rely on myself where God tends to keep me in a situation where um, things feel just a little bit out of control, and so I need to rely on him. But certainly the experience in accounting has been beneficial for this and the experience um, just kind of essentially being an entrepreneur with my husband and his business has definitely helped prepare me for this. Thing is, is I wanted you guys to um, share with us a story or two about how you've actually changed the lives of some of the women there, and um, what did they first think when they met you? And you know, you guys had this idea and concept of what you were trying to do to sort of benefit them. Um, I had the privilege of going to Uganda last spring and um, just really spending uh, three good weeks with our artisans there. We work with twelve women, and Part of my job while I was there was to get artisan profiles, so just you know, a um, little bit more information about our artisans because we want to come back and tell their stories because it's the stories that sell the product because consumers here in the States are just um, really, they have the opportunity to empower lives around the world, and, and you want to do that more when you know a little bit more about an artisan than just their name or how old they are. So. Part of my job was to gather um, profile information and just uh, learn a little bit more about our artisans. And honestly, I went into it kind of going, oh, this is probably going to be my least favorite part of the trip. And it turned out to be the most rewarding. Um, When I was there, I met one of our, or uh, got to know one of our artisans, Josephine, a a lot better. And, you know, I was just asking her about her, her family life, you know, if she's married, how many children does she have, and um, what their ages were, and uh, if she had any prayer requests or dreams for her children. And she just told me about her nine-year-old daughter. Her name is Conti. And um, when it came to the time for prayer requests uh, or, you know, dreams for Conti, she specifically said that Conti was very sick and um, she was praying that there would be a way to help her get better, basically just a miracle. And, and so, you know, I wasn't sure if that meant that she had you know, a headache or if that meant that she had malaria or some, you know, HIV AIDS, there really wasn't a lot of clarification. But at the end of the day, I uh, found out that she, basically every time she uses the restroom, there are a lot of issues there. And um, when uh, I was telling Michelle about it, she Googled, you know, the description that I've gave, given to her, and we found out on our diagnosis that Conti had um, a disease called rectal prolapse. And uh, when I was Skyping with Michelle from Uganda, I told her, it's like, you know, I'm going to come home and I'm going to do my job, but I want to get Conti fixed. You know, I want to figure out how we can make her be a normal nine-year-old girl. And um, and so through uh, just a series of miracles that God just worked um, through a, a family of Americans who live in Uganda, they suggested a um, a local hospital that could actually perform surgery for Conti. And uh, so uh, we spoke with our project manager there, and if you you know, if you know anything about Africa, things tend to uh, go on a very slow pace. So, you know, we started talking mm-hmm. about taking her to the doctor. I'm thinking it's going to take a month or two to get an appointment. It took less than a week. She was scheduled for surgery less than um, 17 days later. <laughs> and and then it became like Michelle was saying, you know, sometimes God puts you in these situations where it, it has to be him providing because it could not ever mm. be a human mm. situ- you know, provision. And um, so she was scheduled for surgery. 
Um, we found out that the surgery was not going to cost nearly as much as we were expecting, and we were actually able to raise the support for her surgery based on a blog that we wrote and through the sales of the products that we sold from Uganda. So now, you know, we have this sweet, beautiful letter from Conte that just you know, is full of gratitude and thankfulness of, you know, she says, thank you for letting me be a normal nine-year-old little girl. And, you know, I get to go to school with my friends now and I get to play. And, and we just heard from our artisans, too, of, you know, they saw her basically at death's door. And now she is just a healthy, vibrant um, young woman who gets to enjoy everyday life like her peers. So that's just, and that just puts the fire in my engine. You know, we want to impact more Conzies and more Josephines to, to help them have normal lives. Wow. Oh, that's great. And, um, yeah, it was really incredible. And, and that's that's a story of hope as well, because sometimes mm-hmm. things aren't addressed because um, people just don't feel that there is anything that can be done. And um, for you right. to also say that there is something that can be done, but to follow through and to make sure that it was taken care of is, is really, really a blessing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in difficult conditions, it's easy to give up. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's that's great and they story. Had, and they had... They had given up because I think um, they face so many obstacles in their daily lives. Just getting clean water yes, is an obstacle right, for them. Right. And so something that is like this that they don't understand, and a lot of times, um, that, you know, there's just a huge lack of medical care in Africa. So the fact that we were able to connect with a friend so we knew that they could connect us to a reputable doctor was really huge. And, I mean, the whole thing, including transportation and getting her the special food she needed, cost less than $1,000, which was just incredible. I mean, something like Mm. that would cost so much more here. So it was wonderful that we were able to provide it in their own environment as well. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're communicating with these women and um, the villagers there, uh, what language are you speaking? Well, we speak English. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to – I mean, the people that we work with on the ground, our Mm -hmm. project managers, all speak English. And some of the artisans speak a little bit of English. Most of the women that we work with are Acholi, and Acholi is a tribe from northern Uganda. Some of the listeners might be familiar with um, Joseph Kony and the Lord's Resistance Army or the LRA. They're just a horrible rebel group that started in northern Uganda about 20 years ago, and they've kind of, they really did just horrible things um, in villages in northern Uganda. And so that caused the um, basically people to have to flee the village. And so the women that we work with in Kampala, Uganda, which is more in southern Uganda, they basically came to what was originally an IDP camp, which stands for Internally Displaced Persons, um, but it's over time become a slum because they never had any, they never felt like they could go back to their village. And mm. now, 20 years later, they're starting to say, well, okay, things are safer there because the LRA is no longer really operating in northern Uganda. They're still operating, but they're kind of they're in other parts of um, Africa. But now they're not sure what's left there for them. They don't know if anyone has taken over their land. They really don't have the money to go back. So um, so there's really still is um, still a crisis. But I think in Uganda alone there's over 50 languages that are spoken that are all tribal languages. When you mm-hmm. go to Rwanda and Burundi, in those countries, they, they just have one language that the people speak. Um, so it's different. And then they have different languages that they speak. There's the mother tongue, and then there's the language that they learn in school, which is Glee, the language of the colonizer. So in Uganda, it's English. In Rwanda and Burundi, it's French. So it, it depends on the country. I see. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> might be more than you wanted to know. But. No, that's exactly what I wanted to know because, you know, people want yeah. to – you know, I, I want people that are listening who think that they may have something to share mm-hmm. to plug into, you know, maybe they speak French. Maybe, you mm-hmm. know, they're from another African country that um, also speaks, um, you know, one of these colonized languages with a, a different dialect. But, you know, they see some place where they could be effective and, and, you know, use their their expertise in other ways. So it's all about not yeah, just that's... sharing what you guys do, but, you know, sort of mm-hmm. putting a bug in the ear of some folks who hear the story, mm-hmm. uh, like the work that you guys do, and maybe want to take part as well. Yeah, and, you know, we don't, really don't have to go to Africa. We have a project here in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and there are, um, you know, there are things that you can do to plug in in your own community. I mean, to share just kind of one brief story from um, some women that are in our local project, we have 
women who are from a variety of different backgrounds. Some are survivors of domestic violence or sexual exploitation or immigrants and refugees, and they're all coming from vulnerable situations. A lot of times these, these situations cross, so they may have been impacted by, different, by some of the same things, even though um, they have different backgrounds. But one of the women um, that we work with, she is... She has come off, she's about eight months clean now of a 15-year, $1,000 a day crack habit. And she was um, working in strip clubs and things like that, and um, she got a flyer about our jewelry project. And she just showed up one day. And at first we were like, you know, she came and someone else in the project kind of knew her and they didn't really like each other. And we were like, oh, I'm not sure how this is going to work. And wow. it was a little rough around the edges for the first mm. uh, couple months. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. She, um, she came to know Christ. And she has completely turned her life around. It has been mm. incredible to watch. Now she's actually on the brink of possibly going to jail for something that she did before she became clean. And um, she has actually completely put her life in God's hands and that believing she's really taken a step of faith to plead um, not guilty because she doesn't feel like she's guilty of, of all of the charges. And uh, where she's like, if God wants me to go to jail, then I'll go to jail and I'll serve him while I'm in jail. And she, uh, I mean, she volunteers. She's uh, texted me that, like, she's uh, texted me um, about a month ago or so um, a picture of her daughter in her prom dress. And she had lost contact with this with her eldest daughter just because mm. of her, you know, long-time addiction. Yeah. And she texted me a picture and she said, thanks to fashion, my work at Fashion and Compassion, I was able to buy my daughter her prom dress and begin to rebuild mm. this lost relationship. So it's been really incredible to see and there are so many needs that we have even as a you know as a ministry locally you know we would really love to implement uh you know a kind of a financial class or different classes to kind of help the women take the next step because we really want fashion and compassion especially um locally to be kind of a um a step in their journey but not a destination because we want to be able to let other women take this step of having kind of this safe environment in order to be able to work in and to, to earn some money as they're on their journey toward um, what God has for them, what their dreams are, um, you know, furthering their education or going into a field um, that, that, you know, they've always wanted to go into or that type of thing. So uh, there are so many ways that skills can be used, and it's incredible. And that's actually the best way that you can be the most effective is if you really see what are the gifts that God has given me and where is there Mm -hmm. a void in the world that needs those gifts. Because right. if you just go to if you just go to a country and you paint houses, well, you know you actually might be taking jobs from someone in that country who needs a job painting a house. You're not necessarily doing something that is using your most unique skills. So the way that mm-hmm. you can be the most effective is use those things that God has given you uniquely to do. Exactly. So and it can be a process. Mm. I've talked to some friends who are like, oh, I just want to kind of find my place like you have, and I. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. God opens one door, you step through it, then he opens another. And, you know, and, and as you go through those doors, you pray that the Lord will lead you, and he does. And um, so, But it takes a step of faith to go through that first door. So that's my encouragement to everyone today, I guess. Yeah, and I want you guys to talk about, too, some of the events that you're doing here to, to raise money and some of your other events that you're using to build the organization. Let's talk about some of these. Well, um, our biggest event, well, uh, well, our biggest annual event is called Women Under Construction, and this is a great thing for um, some of the listeners to maybe take and do at their own church or their own organization. It's, it's an event, it's a women's event that's been held at our church for many years, and every fall they do something called the Dollars for Dreams Marketplace, and it really was part of how Fashion and Compassion was birthed. We started, as we started learning, Celeste and I started learning about um, alarms work in Africa, we started to kind of do some research on what are some other, you know, kind of Christian-based ministries that are empowering women. Because like I said, it's, you, you know, the, one of the ways out of poverty, the main way out of poverty is to get a job, but we, you also need Jesus. So we wanted um, that spiritual foundation to be along with it. So we did some research. We found a bunch of different organizations, and through um, our church, which is fairly large, we were able to, over two nights, we have a huge marketplace, and we sell about $30,000 worth of product over two nights, and about 500 women come each night. And it's just been this amazing experience where people come, and they, they buy gifts, 
for their loved ones for Christmas that are actually making a difference. So it's like a double gift <laughs> because they're blessing the artisan and they're also blessing and giving something that's more than just maybe another unwanted tie. So um, so that's been one really phenomenal event. The other one um, we founded um, back in 2013, it was called the Ignite Justice Conference, and it was um, a conference that was designed to educate, empower, and engage Christians in the fight against injustice because as I saw so many people in my own community who, um, you know, just love going to Bible study and prayer group and all those things are awesome, but they weren't really doing anything to engage with those people that I had, that, that I had gotten to know and become friends with, like my friends in Rwanda, people that I'd met locally who had suffered in so many ways and had, you know, needed, needed so much and really could use some of the biblical knowledge that they've gathered from all these Bible studies. They say my friend, my African friend, Celestin Mustakora, who's the founder of Alarm, has said that the average American who sat in a pew for five years has more knowledge than the average African pastor because the average African pastor has not been to seminary. So, um, so there is a lot of knowledge that can be transferred. And so, anyway, all that to say, I was kind of frustrated feeling like there was a lot of inaction in the Christian church, um, specifically around issues of injustice. And so we basically gathered some um, international speakers and had 17 different breakout sessions addressing different injustices, and uh, and we had about 40 um, ministries come that were working toward injustice, and we really encouraged the attendees to engage with those, and we made every group that come come with a list of five five needs that they had, and so um, so it's been incredible to see. So we did it in 2013, then we partnered with the National Justice Conference in 2014, and it's just been incredible to see the connections that have come and how deep people have gotten plugged in to make a difference. It just has been really really amazing to see. So the and actually another group in Charlotte. Um, because we kind of, with passion and compassion, haven't had the capacity to really run it. Another group in Charlotte has taken it over and is going to, so it's going to continue, um, and they're going to continue the movement of connecting people um, with their gifts and their skill sets to organizations so that they can make a difference. And it's been focused both locally and globally. Now, is so, there an so event some, coming some of up? Our big events. Right. Is there an event coming up um, this summer that um, people... Did you already mention that, or is that coming up now? No. Um, well, we'll have we'll have lots of events in the fall. We have a big conference that we're actually um, sponsoring called She Speaks, and it's actually a women's leadership conference that it's put on by Proverbs 31 Ministries, which is a large ministry um, to women here in the United States. It's based here in Charlotte, but they serve really women around the world, and it's it's designed for women who are who really feel the call to become speakers or to become writers and I went to it a couple years ago as an attendee and it was amazing and since then we've had the privilege of being able to connect with them to do some custom jewelry pieces for them uh, which has been hugely significant for our local project as well as our project in Mexico and um, so that that's coming up July 22nd and 23rd I believe if someone's interested they can go to shespeaksconference.com or dot not sure if it's .com or .org, but one of those, She Speaks Conference. And um, it's probably almost full if it's not full already because it's a very popular conference. So oh, that's great. our big kind of summer event. So what's next so for can, you okay. in this organization? What are you looking for to, to build upon what you guys have already started? And, and, you know, you mentioned you asked people what do they need. What do you need? Well, you know what we need? We need people to sell our products because the more products that we sell, the more that we women that we can employ um, because most of our women right now are only employed on a part-time basis, and we really want to be able to employ them on a full-time basis. So you can host a trunk show. We send boxes. We call them beauty and dignity boxes. We send them all over the country um, so people can host a sale right in their home. We can, we can do bigger ones like the one I mentioned that we do at our church that is a really huge sale. We kind of can do any, any size. We can do them in offices or homes or churches, and so that's the best way. Also, you can connect us to bo- there are boutiques that you shop at. Um, that's a great thing to do. You can go. To, you can shop yourself at our website, which is fashionandcompassion.com. We're looking for what we call compassionistas, which are basically people who would mm-hmm. sign up to uh, to help us um, represent. Kind of, we have 
we really only have one right now in New York, uh, in kind of rural New York, basically where they um, represent us. She sells our products at her salon, and then she, she hosts sales in her community and at her church. And so we would love to get more Compassionistas around the country because that's really, um, like right now, we've had a slower time um, the last few weeks, and, and it's really hard for the women. Too. They've kind of got used to when we had these large custom orders having regular work, and then we've kind of had to slow down a little bit while we've done some planning, and um, and it's tough. So we um, so the best thing that people can do is, is help us sell our products. All right, and um, I want to put a put it out there to some of the vendors out there as well that are in this area that you know could also connect with you guys and and sell some of these wares from their vendor stands and things like that. I mean farmers markets. Um, there are so many different avenues, and I guess, Celeste, this is sort of your wheelhouse as well. Yeah, that is definitely on my, <laughs> on my task list, and um, it has been really neat to see how conversations like this can lead to, um, to relationships really with um, retailers around the world. It has, you know, we... Um, got quite a bit of traffic off of our website earlier this year, and we were sending uh, beauty and dignity boxes to, you know, St. Louis and San Diego and out to Oregon. And, um, you know, I think um, when we started Passion and Compassion, you know, we just assumed that it would be a local Charlotte area ministry. And just to see how God has taken that dream and just multiplied it um, has been extremely humbling and we're extremely grateful for it. So, um, yeah, so like Michelle said, you know, we have um, the flexibility of doing trunk shows in, in your home. We can um, kind of do a turnkey event for your church or organization or a civic group. Um, we also have the flexibility of producing custom pieces for, uh, for organizations. So if there's um, someone that's listening that may want to figure out how to monetize their website and uh, that's what we're doing, we can um, kind of put together a couple of product specs for them and um, let them know how we can benefit not only the organization but our artisans as well. Well, and I just want to say I'm on the website. The jewelry is beautiful. And it's very reasonably priced. I'm really surprised. Thank you. We kind of we really want we want everyone to be able to participate. So we kind of we have products in a variety of price ranges, so that we we don't want anyone to feel left out of being able to make a difference with their purchases. So. Oh, that's great! Wow. So I encourage everyone to go to fashionandcompassion.com and take a look around. You know. And, um, you know, you can wear something that can become a conversation piece that helps to go ahead and to continue to spread the word when people give you a compliment about that beautiful piece of jewelry and let them know where you got it from and the story behind it, you know. And I think that that's something very big now. People, they want to own something that is beyond just um, an item. It's not just a thing. It has a, a life of its own. It has an impact. It, it has to serve a dual purpose. And uh, I think that this can catch on, and hopefully it will just because of that. But people just really need to see it for what it is. Go right ahead. Yeah, and many of our many of our pieces are signed by the artisan who made them. There are some projects where we're, we can't do that because of um, protecting the women who are in danger, but uh, but many of them are signed. And in some cases, particularly with Uganda, you can actually go online and you can read about the very woman who, who signed your piece. And so that's, that's a really neat way to be able to connect with them, be able to continue to pray for them, and, um, you know, and, and remember them as you wear that jewelry. Yeah, that's great. So is there a place where you have the bios of uh, many of the artisans that people can actually read those as well? Yes, if you go on our website under uh, Connect, and then there's a there's a uh, link there called Meet the Artisans. If you go there, it has a page that has kind of a little summary and some pictures of our artisans. And if you click on each mm. project, it takes you to a page that has more information about the artisans. In the cases like Ecuador, where there are underage girls coming that have been rescued out of brothels and they're really not in safe situations, we don't share their names, but we have a sample story that we've kind of taken anything out that would tie it back to the girl. So you can understand the type of situations that these girls are coming yeah. from. And that's part of that education piece, too. We want people to understand the, the things that, that women are um, dealing with, both here in the U.S. and in various countries around the world. 
Yeah. And we need to know, too, that there's so many things that we can do to make a difference. You know, mm-hmm. you can get out there, you yeah. can do what you do and get on the ground and work directly with women, or you can support, you know, these causes in other ways by finding ways to either participate and spread the word, um, you know, donate. You can, you know, you don't have to purchase jewelry. You can just donate if you, you know, have some um, some funds that you set aside for charities and nonprofits. Um, you know, this is a great one as well. So, you know, people need to really just, I think, connect with charities that are doing something directly for people and then mm-hmm. for people to be able to see those folks directly that they could have an impact on their life, I think makes a difference. It really does. Well, like Absolutely. you say on your website, Michael, you know, that consumers um, consistently have been misled by the media of um, of what is good and uh, what we should be buying. And and you never know, um, you know, if you purchase a, a shirt online or a piece online of who's really making the piece. And, and that's how we – I think that's our privilege of bringing truth to our consumers is you know, here are the artisans, here are the stories, let us – Walk alongside of them in this process with us, and um, and that's just been an amazing part of of this process. And you know, uh, you mentioned earlier of like uh, being able to tell the story. We've heard numerous times of someone wearing a piece of jewelry and someone compliments them on it, and they've been able to share the gospel or be able to lead them to the Lord just because of a you know a necklace that they're wearing. And what a privilege that is. I mean, that is. Um, that's only God. That's something only God can do. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I have to commend you guys for the work that you do. I mean, it's one thing to get out there and to uh, participate in the mission, but to go, you know, above and beyond the, the mission itself and to see more work that you could do in a situation where there's already work to do, um, that, that requires a lot of focus and uh, a lot of commitment. And um, these are people when the average person makes a promise or says to someone that I'll do this or I'll do that. For for these women, it means a lot more. Your word and that promise and that hope for help um, is, is vital. And um, to put yourself in a situation like that and to be able to, um, you know, make it happen, to be able to provide the support that you would hope and to be able to be patient enough for things to go your way is um it's just phenomenal, I, and I just have to give you guys kudos for, you know, sticking your necks out in a, in a place that's not that safe and, um, you know, in an environment where things are going on that you're not so sure about all the time, where the comforts of home are as far away as, you know, you are from home. Um, I, I just have to commend you for getting out there and, again, doing the work that others just won't do. Thank you. You know, it's really a it truly is a privilege. And when you feel God convict you to do something, you really can't do anything but do it. <laughs> because and um right. and then when you do follow him, you know, that's the amazing thing is he um he blesses you and he gives you just joy um as a part of the journey. So even when it's hard, he um you know, he gives us grace so that we can continue the work. And, um, you know, I find a lot of times I'll have a moment of discouragement and then it'll be followed by 10 moments of encouragement, you know, and I just feel like mm-hmm. that's the Lord saying, come on, there are moments that are hard, but, but I'm here and I'm, uh, and, and yes, you cannot do it on your own. You need me. And so, um, so I just feel like he's constantly there encouraging us along. And, and opening more and more doors for us, just like just like being able to participate um, with you tonight is definitely a huge blessing. Yes, and um, I've been trying to make a little space for that um, PSA that I'll be doing for you guys that will be included in this show and added in and edited after the fact. <laughs> so we're going to play some pre-recorded content just so we'll have that space, and um, it will be replaced by... Um, your actual um, PSA for your nonprofit and charity. Um, And we'll just go ahead and do that now. We'll be come back. We'll close out the show. Okay, great. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. 
You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here and I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Uh, welcome back, Truth Seekers, and we're on with Celeste and Michelle with Fashion and Compassion. I love the name, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It, it communicates what we say, and it certainly generates some interest. So. Yeah, because it's, it's something you don't generally associate. But this is, you know, when you look at an artisan in a country where it's war-torn and where there's been a lot of strife, there are people who have skill sets that they've put away, not only because there's no market for it, but without peace, you can't create, you know? You can't, oh, that is so true. Yeah, you can't find that part of yourself that you want to, you know, yes. dig in deep. And, in the, a lot right of these countries, art comes um, a little bit of a luxury, when it really shouldn't mm -hmm. be. And I'm certainly in Africa, they, um, they definitely fully grasp the, um, the art of music and dance, but a lot of times the other visual arts, um, you know, jewelry making or painting or, or some of these other things are a little bit lost because they just don't have the, the resources to be able to do those things. And so when you bring the ability to create um, in the simple way of making jewelry or making a basket or, or things like that, or, um, it, it really makes a huge difference in their lives. And just just knowing that there is um, some measure of consistent income is adds so much hope. It adds so much hope because they just are living day to day to survive. Mm -hmm. There isn't the safety nets that we have and uh, that we have here. We have the privilege of having here in this country, and so it's um, the, the lives they live are, are are really difficult. However, you know they they know what they know, so they haven't experienced the type of life that we have here. So, um, so, so if they don't necessarily need to have this life, but they just need right. more, more dignity and more, um, uh, you know, more um, just realizing that they were created with a purpose because God has really created us to work, and and that's where we really can utilize our purpose. And for these women, um, particularly, like even as we've been working locally, and um, we've worked on this custom custom order that we did, this large custom order we did for Proverbs 31 Ministries, we let the women know that, okay, first of all, 
you're going to sign the tag of the jewelry item that you make, and the person who gets it has been instructed to pray for you. So, mm. um, so the person who mm. gets it is going to pray for you. You know, some of them were like, oh, my gosh, I want to make the most because I want the most people praying for me. And then, mm. and then the other thing is that they also know that a portion of the proceeds of, or basically the net profit of um, the product when it gets sold is going to go back to the organization that is providing them housing or providing them food or, you know, helping them get the legal aid that they need or, you know, whatever, whatever their situation is then they feel like not only is their work um, benefiting them and that they're getting paid and they're getting prayed for, but they're also being able to allow a, the organization that supports them to, to, um, to, to get actually donations. So it's, it's pretty right. cool to be able to wow. see that. Yeah. So then they, they go from being helped to helping. Exactly, mm. which is so empowering. You know, when you know that, that you've been able to make a difference, we've been able to share emails that we've gotten from some of our customers where they've been so blessed by a piece of jewelry and the message that it brings that it's um, been so significant. And when we can go back and share that this customer is praying for this artisan and we can share that with them, it's huge. And even our um, compassionista in New York, she went to her church. She really wanted to start a prayer group for the women in Uganda and she went to her church, and she just kind of stood up. It's not a very, it's a small church. And she said, hey, I'm looking for some prayer group. Twelve, just happened to be that 12 women volunteered to be um, in her prayer group. And we have 12 women in Uganda. So now they've become <laughs> prayer buddies, kind of prayer partners across, you know, 10,000 miles away from one another, which is just so beautiful. And it was so neat when I was able, I brought some letters to the women when I went to Uganda last fall. And, you know, the woman who had five children in New York was given her, her, she happened to get the partner with a woman who had five children in Kampala. So just those little things that God does to connect us and to help us understand that the world is bigger than what we think it might be and that God is even bigger than what we can imagine is really, it's really transforming for all of yeah, us. It is. And, you know, it's interesting. I want to ask both of you guys, and um, I I believe Celestia was getting ready to say something. So I can save my question. Go ahead and make your statement. I was going to say, it's also neat to see how our, like, specifically with these custom pieces that we've been doing locally, um, we we receive feedback from consumers who are customers who've purchased a piece, and once they receive it and they're wearing the bracelet or the necklace, they kind of tell us their stories, too, of, you know, of either uh, being from a home of domestic violence or being sexually exploited and how really the the piece that they've bought symbolizes hope for them and that um, realizing that we're not in the journey alone and what, you know, our situations may not be nearly as, as terrible as some of our artisans, but seeing our... Um, our artisans realize that, you know, there are people that look like they have it all together and you never know the battles that you're fighting um, behind your you know, your front door. And so to realize that they're not alone in it as well and that there are people out there that are praying for them and that want to support them and that have transitioned through difficult stages of life and, um, and you know, and have just found that hope through Christ. It's just been really, really neat to see that reciprocal effect um, on both sides from our artisans and our customers um, and just how they kind of grow together and uh, and pray for one and one another it's been it's been really amazing no that's great and uh, have you guys given all the information that you needed as far as how people can connect with your organization and where they can find you you guys have twitter um or blogs or Facebook pages that you guys would also like to put out? Yes. We're, um, at, our Twitter is at fashion to the number two empower. And, and you can find this all on our webpage, which is fashionandcompassion.com. Our uh, Facebook is fashion N, the letter N, compassion. And uh, we do on our website, we have a blog. And if you want to contact us, you can go to our, on our website. We have a contact us page, and it goes directly to Celeste and I. The, um, the message, so you can just reach out and feel free to contact us. That's the best way, really, to get in touch with us. So, and also connecting with us on our Facebook page, we respond directly to those um, to those comments as well. So, and then and following us on Facebook is probably 
and Twitter is probably the best way to keep up with what, what we're doing day in and day out and some of the stories of our artisans. And we try to post a lot of educational uh, information as well about issues that are going on around the world that relate to women and to injustice. All right. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate having you guys on. And, you know, we, we have to um, revisit this as well um, down the road just to find out how things are going, if there's anything else that you might need down the road, and just keep people aware of the kind of work that you're doing. And, um, you know, again, I applaud your efforts and, and what you've done thus far. We expect big things from you. And, we, you know, we just look at, you know, down the road, just seeing much success with fashion and compassion. Thank, Thank you Michael. so much. We really appreciate it, and we pray for much success for a measure of truth, too, and we're grateful for the ministry that you have, bringing right. truth to the world. Well, thank you for that. Today is just another day for most of us, but yesterday, millions of exceptional, brilliant people decided that they were going to do something this day that would change their lives for the better and potentially the lives of hundreds more. Some even awoke with an unheard of sense of determination, focus, and vision, ready to leap forward and make that big change in their lives. In reality, most awoke pretty much the same way as most of us with today's office grind, tasks, checklists, calendars, and chores for the day as their primary concern. Sadly, some forgot yesterday's decision when they awoke, and others were just too afraid to try, and some just too stubborn to change, and many who forgot that tomorrow is not promised did not make it to see the sunrise today. I can't emphasize this enough. There is no time like the present. Whatever you want for your tomorrow, the effort has to start today, better yet, Right now, God has embedded in us a will and life purpose. We may succeed at any number of things, but this is the one thing that we can be assured to be much bigger than ourselves. It is our opportunity to accomplish the amazing, touch the lives of a multitude of people, and leave this world that we live in a much better place due to our efforts. Yeah, but first we have to take action. Take bold steps to crush our fear with confidence, destroy our insecurity with intense determination, and implement a decisive plan that will turn obstacles into minor adjustments and defeat into monuments of mistakes that we will never make again, all because of the wisdom we obtained that special day. You know what? There is no stopping people who truly care about the lives of others. I would dare say that they are invincible because nothing can destroy the human spirit. Why is it that I feature nonprofits and charities on my show so often? It's not just because that they are awesome and a rare breed of individuals. It's because they selflessly do the work that matters because others won't. And just because it's the right thing to do. How huge is that? But they do need your help. They first need you to be informed and aware. And I think we've taken care of that. Next, they need you to take action. Become a part of this solution. Or is today just another day? You already did something great today. You woke up this morning. The question is, who will you be today? Take a close look. Therein lies a measure of truth. Special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman, and Nicole Hayes. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 